20. And um, last week we uh, finished up the first of four commandments, or the fourth of the first four commandments. And uh, there's kind of a natural break, if you will, in the commandments that are given. The first four deal with our relationship with God uh, in each of the four. Uh, and then from there on, it deals with our relationship with others. It starts off in our fifth one, which we're going to start with today. Uh, begins with our family relationship. And we're going to look at that. The sixth one is thou shalt not kill. And I would say that that's dealing with our relationship with others, but probably some of us would be well aware that that probably leans more towards family also <laughs> sometimes. Uh, the, the Bible says the brother is, a brother is born for adversity. And any of you ever get to the point you just want to kill somebody in your family? <laughs> You're like, ah, they won't listen. Um, but uh, anyway, we're going to deal now from uh, number uh, the fifth commandment and following with our relationship with others. And so let's look together, if you will, in verse number 12. God is, uh, again, giving these, and he says in verse number 12, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Now, there's an awful lot in this verse. We're going to take a few moments to look at a couple of other passages. But uh, this is a, a, pro, a uh, commandment that God gives with a promise. In fact, uh, later on he says this is the first commandment with promise. Uh, and uh, this is a promise that's given that our days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. And uh, so we find that God will prosper our life, and uh, he, will, uh, he will make things run a lot smoother in our lives. Uh, my dad used to say years ago, Son, I brought you into this world. I can take you out of it. And I learned early on that honoring my father was going to prolong the days of my life on this earth. But uh, I don't think that's what God was getting at here. I think we do truly get uh, the hand of God, the blessing of God upon our lives for the purpose of honoring our parents. I want you to hold your place here for a moment because there's a New Testament passage I want us to look at as well that Paul deals with, and he, he kind of expounds on it. Now, I want to say this because this is going to hold true, especially this morning, but it always holds true as we study Scripture. And that is uh, we, need to, we need to understand that all Scripture uh, is, is, is all coordinated together in such a way, and we start with the premise that there are no contradictions in Scripture. We begin there. Having that established, then we have to say, okay, what does the rest of the Bible say? We've said so many times before, uh, the first three rules of Bible interpretation is you've got to know the context, and then the second one is you've got to know the context, and the third one is you've got to know the context. Um, you don't just take a verse and pull it out and have it stand on its own without comparing it to the rest of Scripture. Uh, we need to understand that everything we do compares with Scripture. So there are times when God, in, in the way that He delivers things, there are times that God will give a high-level overview command or instruction that somewhere down the road in Scripture He will expound on it further or give further clarification of it. That does not mean that that is in contradiction with the high-level overview it just means that, that God has given some milk of the Word to start with, and then as people were able to handle it, began to give more meat to it and uh, begin to help us uh, understand it clearly. And so we need to understand this, uh, and uh, we can kind of see this a little bit in this one. We're going to see it greatly in the next commandment that we're going to look at. But look with me at Ephesians chapter number 6, if you will. Ephesians chapter number 6. 
And uh, the, the most famous verse that parents love to quote to their children, verse number one. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is what? This is right. Notice this. There is no reward for obedience here. That reward does not come yet. We do find in verse number two that he says, Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with what? Promise. Okay, so reward comes not from the obedience, but from the honoring. Uh, when we rear our children, uh, we teach them to do right, and if we're not careful, we will get incentivize them doing right. I'm not sure that that's the correct thing to do. We need to teach them to do right simply for the fact that it's right. Uh, we can incentivize their attitude at doing right. And I think that's where God is dealing with things here. We, we learn to do right, not because we get a reward for it, but because it's right to do. That's just part of our Christian character. But when it comes to honoring, then there's something a little bit further than that. When I was a kid and I was asked to take out the trash, I hated taking out the trash. We had bees around our, our trash bin all the time, and I didn't like getting stung. I'd been stung a lot of times before, and... Uh, I didn't. I didn't like that, and I'd get out there and I, I'd stand 20 feet from the trash can and throw it and hope to get it in there, you know. And uh, my dad would come out. Well, Greg, what are you doing? Trash all over the ground. Pick it up. <laughs> and uh, he'd grab that stuff. He'd get angry sometimes. He'd get upset and he'd walk up there and he'd grab that thing, just walk up to the trash can, throw the lid open. Didn't care if there were bees or not. You know, he's swatting them off. He's throwing it in there and he walks away and didn't even get stung, you know. And um, I would get so angry sometimes. Not angry. I'd get stubborn about it. And I'd think, you know, I, man, I hate this. And I'd, I'd grumble and grab that trash bag. And I'd run. I'd walk out there and throw that trash away. And I was upset. And uh, the truth is, I obeyed my parents. I did what they told me to do. But I certainly did not honor them. And, and I'm, I'm using an illustration here that really, really is almost uh, hyperbole in the, in the expression of it because. Uh, we almost are, are over-exaggerating the way we do with God sometimes, though. But the truth is, sometimes we do that, don't we? God says, this is how I want you to live. <sighs> okay, God. You said it, and I have to do it. And we're obedient. But is that really honoring Him? I don't think so. Look with me in Ephesians chapter 5. I love this verse. Paul says this in verse five, uh, chapter 5 and verse number 1. He says, Be therefore followers of God as what? Their children. Well, how are children supposed to follow their parents? They're supposed to not only obey, but they're to honor, aren't they? Uh, it's interesting to me as we get into the book of Ephesians chapter number 5 that uh, we get down to verse number 18. He says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. By the way, I found this. When, when we're walking in lockstep with the Holy Spirit of God, when He has full control, when we're yielded to Him, our hearts have the right kind of thoughts, has the right kind of uh, song in it. And speaking to ourselves, the Bible says, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our hearts to the Lord. And uh, there are times that my heart gets overwhelmed about the things of the Lord. And then there's times where perhaps I'm not as close to Him as I ought to be, that it seems like I, I, God's, God's 100 miles away from me. 
He's cold. I, I've, I've got no stirring inside. There's nothing that's uh, exciting me in the Christian life. And can I tell you this? It's not all about feelings, but it is all about walking with the Holy Spirit. That there is something that the Holy Spirit does. The Bible says, and you have to quickened. And that word quickened means to be made alive. Something that used to be dead inside, all of a sudden, there's something there that didn't used to be there. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's there. And he speaks of this and being filled with the Spirit. Now notice what he says here as he gets down to verse number 20. He says, verse number 20, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves, notice this, one to another in the what? In the fear of God. Now, uh, Paul is going to address from this point down all the way into chapter number 6, He's going to address three different relationships that we experience here on earth. I love the fact that God has established earthly relationships to give illustration to the relationships that He has with us and we have with Him. We find, first of all, that there is a relationship of husband and wife. Notice this in verse 22, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the what? Church. See the comparison here? Relationship of husband and wife, relationship of Christ and the church. The wife is to submit to the husband as the head. The church is to submit to Christ as the head. Everybody understand this? All right, now watch this carefully. We have that one pictured, husband and wife. And he goes on to say, verse 25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it. And he goes on down talking about this relationship of husband and wife. Verse number 31, he says, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be what? One flesh. <clears throat> we have a relationship with our holy, with our with our uh, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That is one where we are no longer two separate people, but we are now joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. We're children of the Lord Jesus of, of God the Father. We become uh, joint heirs with Him. We've been adopted into the family of God, and so there's no longer a separation there that used to be. Now there's a a oneness that takes place. All right. Now notice here as we get to verse number. Um, Six, he says, children now, obey your parents in the Lord. In chapter 5 and verse 1, we find that we're to follow uh, God as dear children. So again, now we have a second relationship. Not only do we have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ uh, as a husband and wife relationship, that we're to be submitted to Him and He's to be the head, but we also have a relationship here of parents to children. He is our Father. We come to Him in prayer. We say, Father, and we ask Him things. We petition Him of things. We are His children he has every right, as a parent, has a right to, um, to not only give instruction to their kids and to train their kids and to rear their kids and to grow their kids into strong uh, Christian folks, but he also has the right to uh, give judgment on them and to discipline them and correct them where it's needed. And so we have another relationship that God established all the way back from the beginning of the creation when he created Adam and Eve and he, fa he created the family structure we have a second relationship that also pictures a relationship that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our Father. He's the one that we look up to. He's the one that, uh, that has every right to grow us and to train us and to rear us as Christians. And He does that through, the, through His Word and through our walk with Him. 
And so we have a second relationship. Then he has another relationship here that he deals with also in Ephesians chapter number 6. If you'll turn over to verse number 5, he says, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and in singleness of your heart, as, notice this, unto who? Unto Christ. Every relationship refers us back to Christ. Husbands and wives, wives, submit yourselves to your own husband and, and uh, as Christ and husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. Refer back to Christ. Children, obey your parents. What? In the Lord. Refer back to Christ. Servants, notice he says here, obedient to them, they are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart, as unto Christ. We're referred back to Christ. We have a third relationship with God. And that is the relationship of a servant to a master. I heard a preacher say this one time, and I love the quote. He said, a servant has no right to determine where or how he serves. But that is rather for the master to decide. And I'll tell you this, I'm so thankful that we have a God in heaven that lays plain before us the path, the will that he has for our lives. Makes it clear. He tells us exactly where he wants us and how he wants us to serve. Oh, what a joy it is to know these things. Notice he says in verse number 6, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the service of what? Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Now, let's go back to Exodus chapter number 20. All of that being said, this idea of honoring our parents is something that we do not just because if we don't, our parents get mad and they discipline us. We honor our parents because we are picturing in that the relationship of honoring God. And that is one way that you and I have that we are able to glorify God in our behavior. As we honor our parents, we are picturing also that we are honoring God. Why? Because this is the relationship that God gave as an illustration of how we're to honor Him. So oftentimes we look at these things and we think, well, this is just a rule that God came up with. No, there's something a lot deeper here. There's something that He is wanting us to see vividly pictured. And that is that we are to honor God the same way that we honor our parents. In fact, we're to honor Him more than that, aren't we? We fail oftentimes in honoring our parents. So it's interesting to me that uh, He pictures these relationships and uh, gives us vivid illustrations in the Old Testament. The family structure, I think, is a great one. Uh, certainly the picture of the servant and the master or the employer-employee type of relationship. And so when we labor in these areas, whether it's our relationship in family as husband and wife, whether it's our relationship in child and parent and, and parenting, or whether it's our relationship in our employment, our servant-master relationships, we are to labor in all three of those relationships as unto the Lord. All three of them are to point men to Him and say, this is the kind of relationship I have with Him. Husbands and wives, loving each other, not keeping score, not saying, well, one's giving more than the other, but simply saying they just love one another completely. That's the relationship we're to have with the Lord Jesus Christ. Children, being obedient because it's right and honoring because there's reward. We get out here and we say, I serve God not because I have to, but because I get to. Oh, what a joy. 
Why? Because it helps people see that there's a relationship with the Father that way. I serve Him not because I have to, but because I get to. I serve, I, I obey my parents, but I also honor them. Not because I have to, but because I want to picture my relationship with Christ that way. We get into the work place, and isn't it easy for us sometimes to look at our workplace as simply a job that brings home a paycheck? But wouldn't it be wonderful if we could glorify God in our relationship with our employers as unto the Lord, to follow after them, to do as they ask us to, provided it's not going against Scripture, to have that relationship with them in such a way that they look at you and they say, you're a different kind of employee. Why is that? Because I want to serve as if I'm serving the Lord Jesus Christ. These relationships that picture so vividly these things bring glory to God in our lives and help point men to Him. Uh, very important that we do this. And children, young people especially, uh, I cannot express enough the importance of honoring mom and dad. It's not just because it's what the Bible tells us to do. It's because it helps you and I bring glory to God through it. And so I want to encourage us in that. All right, moving on. Verse number 13. Thou shalt not kill. Boy, this is a, this is a command that a lot of people take right here. They just take these four words and they base a huge argument on it. Uh, some people say, well, that means uh, going to war, battling and, and fighting and, and all of this. This is not... Um, uh, not God's will. I shouldn't kill anybody. There should never be a time. Some people take it to the extreme, and we're living in a day where a lot of them have taken it to a very uh, far extreme that they won't even uh, kill an animal. Uh, you can't have beef. You can't have venison. You can't have uh, ribs. You know, you can't have cow. You can't have uh, pigs. You can't have chicken. Because if you do that, you're breaking the commandment, thou shalt not kill. Now, I want you to notice a couple of things that uh, we, again, come to Scripture with the understanding, first and foremost, that the Bible does not contradict itself. There are times that God will give further instruction to clarify or to give uh, deeper meaning and understanding to something that He's stated in the beginning. And so we want to make sure that we, we take this within the context of what it's intended um, and that we understand God's heart on the matter throughout Scripture. And very important for us to know that. So let's take a look at a couple of things here. Look in uh, Exodus chapter number 22. <clears throat> and um, let's go to verse number 2. Exodus chapter 22 and verse number 2. If a thief be found breaking up and be smitten that he die, there shall no blood be shed for him. Now understand that the penalty for murder in the Old Testament was an eye for an eye. So if you murdered somebody, your life was to be forfeit as well. God comes out and tells him in Exodus chapter number 22 that if a thief is caught and he's caught breaking in and uh, he ends up losing his life uh, through defense of the home or defense of the property, whatever the case, but he's a thief and that's the reason that got him into the mess that he's in. And he loses his life. The Bible tells us in verse number 2, There shall no blood be shed for him. Now, what that is telling me is that when it does come to this idea of killing or some, some person's life being taken from them, that it is not to be done without just 
cause. The Bible already, in, in just two chapters later, is dealing now with there are sometimes that this is justified or sometimes that this is warranted. And God gives specific instances of this. Look with me, if you will, in Romans chapter number 13. Romans chapter number 13. And by the way, we could spend a lot of time on this issue uh, in Scripture. There are many, many Scriptures that we could deal with uh, regarding this. I'm going to give you just two or three here this morning uh, just for sake of time. And if you have further questions about this, it doesn't take very long to pull up an online Bible search app and begin to search the subject, and you'll find a lot of Scripture dealing with this where God clarifies very, very specifically that uh, this is something that it sometimes has to be done for the purpose of justice, uh, but it is not to be done in, in the intent and the heart of the issue in uh, Exodus chapter number 20 is that it not be done for just frivolous reasons or because I lost my temper uh, or because I have lack of self-control, which is what we see a lot of people that are um, killing folks today in our society. It's just mainly a lack of self-control. I read an article just this week of a, a young 14-year-old kid that without remorse opened fire on a woman sitting at a stoplight. I mean, he had no guilt about it whatsoever. Past feeling. No conscience. It was senseless. There was no reason for it. He just picked her at random and shot her. That's what the Bible is referring to here in Exodus chapter 20. Without just cause. Without there being some uh, justified reason for it. Now look with me in Romans chapter number 13. <clears throat> Verse number 1, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is a minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, what does it say here? Be afraid. For he beareth not the what? The sword. In vain. If you're evil, they're saying, listen, be careful. Because if you're doing evil, those that are in governmental power, those that are there to watch out for the morality of society, are there to execute judgment, and the Bible refers to it as using the sword. They do not, be, uh, for he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth what? Evil. Be careful about following after these folks that are kind of out here on a limb somewhere that go to Exodus chapter 20. And that's the only four words they look at in all the Bible. And they say, because of this commandment, if you eat chicken, you're breaking one of the Ten Commandments. If you kill someone in self-defense, they'll say you're breaking one of the Ten Commandments. No. The Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah, and I, didn't, I think it's Isaiah, uh, I should have written the reference down. I think it's Isaiah 35, I believe. I may be wrong on that. I'll look it up for you. 
But uh, the Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah that we are to defend the, the helpless and the weak. We're to take care of those things. So we have, uh, the, the, the Scripture teaches us that we have self-defense. We have the defense of those that are weak and not able to defend themselves. We have the justice for those that do immoral things and wrong things, and a death is, is involved in that situation, uh, that there is a right for that to happen. So, again, I want to just mention this, and this isn't to be a, an exhaustive study on this particular subject so much, as to make sure we understand that there are further instructions in Scripture regarding this. And that when we look at Scripture and we see something that seems to be uh, very narrow, very no room for anything in there, oftentimes if we don't look further in Scripture, we will misunderstand what it's trying to say. And in Exodus chapter number 20, in fact, it, it was so much so that later on, and we'll, we'll get to it here as we get through into, I think it's Leviticus, uh, that if a person accidentally slays a man, manslaughter, not intentional, that God gives a city of refuge for them. Again, not dealing here with an intent, or the, 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 the uh, command is dealing here, I'm sorry, with the intent of trying to kill. Uh, I've got I've got a bad attitude towards this person. They angered me. Uh, they did me wrong. Uh, I'm going to get them back. And there's a vengeful spirit. And we find that that also in Scripture is dealt with, where the Bible says, Render not evil for evil. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, in other places. We are not to do so with a vengeful spirit. But if it's done by accident, if it's done for the defense of yourself or the defense of someone else whose life is in danger, if it's done because of an immoral act of, of thievery, we find here at least in Exodus 22, those are justifiable times that God says it's okay. There were times that God told the nation of Israel to go to war and to wipe out an entire uh, uh, group of people. And one of the great criticisms that some people who are anti-God and anti-Bible come up with is they say that's a, that's a terrible uh, discrepancy in Scripture. That God says, thou shalt not kill, and then he turns around and tells them to kill. You've got to understand where God's coming from here, and he does clarify that throughout Scripture, that we are not to kill for an unjust reason. And if it's done by accident, God also gives an exemption for those things. doesn't mean that we're not going they, the people that had the city of refuges, they had to stay there the rest of their lives. Uh, so it's, it's not like there wasn't a price to pay, but they didn't pay with their life. You understand the difference here? So again... Um, Probably the biggest lesson I want you to get today out of that, that part of the, the uh, Exodus 20 is not so much the explanation of the command as much as we learn the process of understanding that command because you'll find that process throughout Scripture. You'll find, you'll find little verses of Scripture you'll look at and you'll scratch your head and say, well, that doesn't sound right. We'll then go and find other Scripture. Let's see, does God, does God explain it further? Does he open the pages up a little bit more? Does he, does he uh, give a little further indication of what he means by this? And, uh, again, context, context, context. Make sure that we find uh, what does the Bible say uh, about these things. Don't just take one verse and pull it out and base a, a doctrine or a belief on it. You make sure that it agrees with every other area of Scripture and then... Uh, and then that keeps us from some of these doctrinal errors that we find ourselves in sometimes. So uh, I want to help you with that. Uh, I'd really rather you learn that process today than specifically that one command.
Um, and hopefully you'll understand that and see that and be able to help uh, understand some other scriptures. Let's go ahead and stand. We'll be dismissed in prayer, and we'll pick up there next week. Father, we're so thankful for your word. We pray that you'll bless it and use it. Help us to rightly divide. Lord, sometimes we get tongue-tied. We don't say things maybe the way that we should. And I pray that you'd help us to have uh, absolute understanding of your word. Uh, may we be clear on it. Bless the service to follow. I pray that you'll speak to our hearts, encourage us through your uh, truth of your word. I pray that you'll help us to have our uh, hearts stirred afresh. And, Lord, if there's someone in our services that does not know you as Savior, I pray that you would allow your Holy Spirit to do a work, that there would be no hindrance there, that there would be conviction, help them to see the truth of knowing how to be saved and making that choice and that decision for you. We pray that you'll bless uh, in each of our lives uh, throughout this day. Help us to be drawn closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.